If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 355 of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan and today I am joined by the Graham McDonald of Irish MMA Media, Ian O'Neill, as we talk about a, <laughs> ma- a massive weekend in the world of mixed martial arts. Graham is actually off on holidays. He took, you know, his third or fourth holiday this year, so uh, I can't even remember where he's gone to. He told me last week. But uh, all I heard when he told me he was going on holidays is that I need to get a replacement. And oh boy, what a replacement I've gotten. I got Ian all the way over in Canada. It's handy for me. It's handy for everyone as well. You've got an early podcast recording here on Saturday night. So we're going to get uh, right into it now in a big way and talk about all of the uh, magical action. And what a magical weekend it was in the world of uh, UK MMA mostly. Before we do that, we must tell you that spring has sprung and our friends at Madskept have the best tools for some spring cleaning in your pants. Trust me, your confidence will be blooming like the flowers this upcoming spring. Time to clear out that winter bush and join the four million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. Use the promo code SEVEREMMA and get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. And the lads over at Manscaped, they've really, really helped us out over the last year or so. So, uh, you know, it might be your last time here pretty soon to help them out and, and help us out and, and get 20% off at Manscaped. So now is the time. So head on over there and use that promo code. If you don't know Manscaped, they are the below the waist grooming uh, experts and the global leaders and uh, they have forever changed the game with their performance package 4.0. Inside this ball care bundle, you'll find their uh, 4.0 lawnmower, which is absolutely fantastic. You'll also get the ear and nose hair trimmer, the uh, ball deodorant, crop preserver and the crop reviver toner as well as the performance boxer briefs and the travel bags to hold it all together that aforementioned lawnmower 4.0 is a pube assassin that is waterproof and equipped with with an led light Uh, so you bet it's a major key in the new shower routine the elite trimmer is designed to trim hair on loose skin although your balls might look like punching bags don't treat them like one and benefit from the proprietary skin safe technology that's also something that you will find on the weed whacker nose and ear hair trimmer uh, it reduces nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes, and is absolutely fantastic. The crop preserve, uh, preserver, even, uh, is an anti-chafing ball deodorant. You put deodorant everywhere else. Why would you not put it on your balls? I'm always fucking sticking links to my balls and everything. So, like, the crop preserver is the right thing to do. I know you do that as well, Ian, haven't you? Down through the oh, year. I, lo- I love an old drop of links on the balls. <laughs> you know. <laughs> But don't do that anymore. Crop preserve is the, the job for that job. Uh, it's uh, it's starting to get hot outside now. It actually, Jesus, was roasting this week. So it is. So I stick it on there. Good. 
good time for it now coming into the spring and summer oh I'm telling you the crop reviver also is the spray on toner for your balls uh, which keeps you smelling fresh down there if you're out and about or something in the old pocket lashing on yup yup you buy it uh, complete your grooming game this spring with the new refined cologne which you'll spray on you know if you're going out for the all uh, night out which is a beautiful scent by Manscaped it's legit it'll have you smelling like royalty and if you get all of those in the 4.0 performance package, you will receive two free gifts, the boxer briefs and the shed travel bag, which is absolutely like one of the best. Not even joking, not even because they're paying me to read this. That shed travel bag is fantastic. So smell and feel good this spring. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code SevereMayManscape.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code SevereMayManscape.com. It's try. T- let's try that one again. Let's try that one again. It's time to throw out your old hygiene habits and upgrade your life. Upgrade with Manscaped this spring. Use the promo code SphereMate, 20% off at manscaped.com. Right, Ian, uh, let's talk about UFC London. Where else can we start, I suppose? There was a massive Cage Warriors card as well. We will get into that. But this UFC London card was just absolutely crazy, like literally from top to bottom. Um, there was a lot, like, there's a lot of calls and sometimes uh, we we talk a lot of shit. We try to build things up and we try to hype things up. And people call this, all oh, the next UFC Dublin and all of that. And that has been actually said three or four times about London cards and about UK cards before, Cage Warriors cards. But this one was up there. You know, this one had the matchmaking that was kind of necessary to make it that one. Now, it wasn't the same because not every uh, UK fighter won here and some of them were kind of brutally finished and there was very much low points uh, during it, unlike the, the UFC Dublin car, but all of the kind of the big fighters won, all of the ones you would hope to win won, all of the ones with big fights won and all of the ones with kind of the big names won. It was a great night for UK MMA and it was a great night for MMA in general in terms of the fans are coming back We've had a long time where it's been sadness and empty crowds. And even when some of the crowds were there, it was like, you know, it felt like the crowds are smaller. And, you know, it's people are like a little bit, I don't know, apprehensive maybe. But it, it feels like in the UK now. And even, you know, we, we, I, can, I think uh, the Irish Bellator cars are to set the toad for this as well. The crowds are back and happy to be back and are excited to be back and i remember talking on uh, one of my previous shows i think the previous show we did actually or maybe even the betting show uh, which i recorded about all of them about four times but never mind i said it somewhere um that the crowds will actually play a part and i think they did in a lot of these fights especially like the molly mccann fight which we will obviously get to uh the fighters are coming out a lot faster than i think they normally would they were coming out with the you know, a bit between their teeth and it led to just a fabulous event overall Ian what did you think it is it was pretty amazing wasn't it oh it was unbelievable like I am buzzing like we're just recording this straight after the card I'm absolutely buzzing and I'm glad that you mentioned UFC Dublin because I was having those same thoughts myself I was like I really feel that the UK got their UFC Dublin moment tonight even though not everybody's fights went to plan but overall the crowd, the, the the fights were unreal. We got to see a little bit of everything on the card. And, you know, it was just great to see. I mean, a lot of fighters, a lot of fans were left in limbo during the pandemic. And it was like, you know, a coming out moment for them again in certain ways, getting the chance to go there, uh, compete in front of a, a, a sold-out London O2. And, and, you know, it was great to see. I was very happy uh, to watch it. I was buzzing. I was on the edge of my seat all night. And, like, from the very first fight to the very last fight, it was it was unbelievable now overall. Now, 
it is a little bit disingenuous of us to say, oh, this is another UFC Dublin because, like, there's probably not going to be McGregor on this. Like, there, there, look, there may be a champion. I think it'd be great for the UK and great for everyone if there was a champion. Realistically, there, there probably, like, there definitely won't be a champion to grade a McGregor. There might be a guy who holds on to the belt for one or two fights, and I, you, I would hope there would be, but you know, between Aspinall and, uh, and Aaron Lana, but we will get to that, and I'm sure we'll get to that in the contender as well, maybe, uh, coming up that we will uh, we will be doing, but um, I, I think I think the comparisons are a bit unfair. The comparisons will be made this uh, this week, and with, with, you know, with people analysing the cards, but do you know what? You don't need to make those comparisons, and I know we kind of have here as well, but I kind of, the, the reason I wanted to bring it up, and the reason I know you were talking about it as well, is because, like, these these cards should be looked at, I suppose, uh, in uh, you know as unique cards because if you compare, you know, it's always like a compare it to UFC. It's always compare it to McGregor. Always compare it to you know next fighters to John Jones or even Jack Shore today. Comparing him to GSP, I don't like that. I think that's very unfair, and I think it is a bit weird. Now we do it because it's easy and it's lazy in a lot of terms as well, um, and that seems to be what a lot of uh, <laughs> you know journalism is, whether it's inside MMA media or outside of it. So let's talk about like the card itself and, and break it down and why it was a brilliant card by itself. And let's start at the very start. And, you know, I mentioned the crowd, and I mentioned the crowd being ravenous for fights because the big difference between this card and a lot, I think, of other cards in in history is that this was the card that was supposed to happen, like, the weekend the the pandemic hit. And there has been no card, you know, like it says, no UFC card in the UK. There's not, like... The UFC have put on a few cards outside of America and things, but Dana White is very, very reluctant to go anywhere, even in America. You know, he's staying in the uh, Apex for the fight night cards. He is going for the pay-per-views, and, you know, they're on about going to Thailand and uh, Fight Island and stuff like that as well. But it it has been very much on pause for the last few years. I know there's probably some people listening in now that's, you know, see the name... Paddy Pimlet or something in the discussion and are just uh, tuning in for this. So that's a big reason why it was, especially if you're one of these people who haven't been watching the UFC for the last while. This was a different card we've seen from almost any in the last couple of years. You know, we had the odd card where we see, you know, even CM Punk in Chicago. We saw his hometown guys. Uh, or, uh, you know, Stipe in Cleveland. Or, you know, the Brazilian fighters in Brazil. Or if it was McGregor in Ireland. Or the, you know, Bisping fighting in in, uh, in the UK or whatever it might be. We always had them sprinkled around. The UFC, I don't think, did enough of them. But we always had them. And we didn't have any of those, basically, for the last couple of years. And to have all of those things kind of coming together before anyone threw a punch, before anyone started... That's why this card was special. And you could see it, couldn't you? And when Mikhaev walked out, when he got that cheer, when, you know, they, they saw fighting out of uh, Manchester, England, or whatever it was, the crowd were ready for it, and they were gasping yeah. for fights. Yeah, it's like, nowadays, Sean, there's so many meaningless UFC fight night cards. You know, we've often talked about it as well, where there's no jeopardy or no nothing on some of the US cards that have been put on only maybe a couple of fights towards the top of the card and a couple sprinkled throughout fight night cards. But it felt like there was meaning in almost every single one of these fights tonight. And that started from the very first one with Mohamed Mohaev when he came out um, and and got a rapturous um response from the crowd and he was making his UFC debut and when he got in there it just it didn't look like it was his UFC debut it looked like he was ready he looked so comfortable on the walkout there was no nervous energy and and when he got in there and started to perform it was like water off a duck's back for him overall 
Yeah, McCoyev, and I know, you, obviously, you talk a lot about the uh, the amateur fighters now over in the old triangle, mostly the Irish guys, but the IMFs as well, and the people coming through. Uh, and, you know, I suppose if you were doing uh, the old triangle two years ago, Makayev would have probably been a name that would have come up an awful lot, because this guy is is a different class when it comes to amateurs and when it comes to up-and-coming guys. You know, sometimes we see guys up-and-coming, and they have, you know, a few amateur fights, and maybe they have five or six fights in in you know a, a local organization and they go to cage warriors or they maybe even bellator or get to dana white's contender series or whatever it might be or we talk about them uh, as prospects this is a genuine prospect you know this is the young lad coming out of the u team at, at man united or liverpool or wherever it might be and bringing him into the big one and then they're like you know anthony alanga or you know trent alexander arnold or whoever it might be you know your next good guy coming through that you've known for years and can they be that and this is you know this is the guy who you know, this is the messy. You know, this is the <laughs> this is the guy who everyone yeah. knew from when he was really young. Like his amateur career, what is he? Twenty three and oh, beat some like unbelievable uh, people. At the amateur, a lot of the Irish crowd. You know, Kieran Mulholland was fighting a few weeks ago. Abnu Fares, a lot of the guys we would know, obviously in this part of the world, like Liam Gittins as well. Even uh, you know when he was uh, when he was younger, he f- he fought. You know, coming into his um, pro career then. You know, okay, some of the matchups you you can question, but Blaine O'Driscoll in his last fight, um, he beat him. He was the Irish amateur fighter, or sorry, the Irish professional fighter of the year, the year before um, uh, Makayev beat him. And he just, it, like, it's not that he made it easier or anything. He, uh, Blaine O'Driscoll put on a good fight. But the way Makayev won that at 20 or 21 years of age, four fights into his career, you knew all of this amateur stuff was legit. And the way he performed tonight... Just coming out there, got caught with a little bit of a, a left hand, but then through that flying knee and that short choke, this guy is really special, isn't he? Absolutely special. Like he, he's the poster boy for IMAF, and you know they're even tweeting tonight about him. But you know there is no hiding place in the UFC. You might question a couple of his previous fights, but there's no question tonight. You know it's not easy to go in there and do what he did in the UFC, especially on your debut as well. Um, you know, Cody Durden, he 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 did hit him early on, but Makayev settled early into the fight, landed that beautiful knee. And I also thought he'd done it excellently too when he had the choke and was slammed down to maintain that position, not to panic in that position and then get into the mounted position. Well, not really fully mounted, but he moved into to secure the choke. And it was just a beautiful performance overall by Mohamed Mahayev. And like, you know, he just proves that he really belongs there in the UFC, he belongs in the flyweight division. And I, I can't help but say that he's going to be a major player in that in that division overall. I like I think he's going to be cause massive amount of problems for everybody. I yeah I would tend to agree. It's hard to look at a guy at one twenty five when you know I, I think the fighters that went to one twenty five are very good, but there aren't that many fighters. You know, the UFC were basically planning in the division eighteen months ago or whatever, and it's still kind of in the rebuilding phase, I suppose. And when you bring Makayev in there against a guy like you know Cody Durden, who probably not too far away from uh, from being ranked, considering like he's won. You know, okay, he won his last fight. He lost the one before to Jimmy Flick, but he's a draw before that. With the amount of people in that division, you know, he's probably that far away. And he goes in there and destroys him the way he did. It, you have to be talking about Mohamed uh, Makayev being a contender in that division in uh, in the very, very near future. Right, 
I look what I want to do here. I want to, I want to pop back to the uh, the prelims in a second, but we had to. I think I had to start off with Makayev and had to st- I had to start off with the kind of the early crowd, crowd reaction because it was a, a big part of it and a big part of the story and a big part of the uh, the kind of the standout of what happened on uh, on Saturday night. Let's talk about Paddy Plimbert a little bit because I feel like we're <laughs> you know we'd be uh, burying the lead here if we didn't talk about Paddy Plimbert because the they made him feel special, and I give massive credit to the UFC for this. And I feel like we could have a whole podcast nearly talking about Paddy Pimpton, talking about the push he's been given and the reaction to it and how it will go. But I love that the UFC are at least trying. Now, we'll talk about in a second whether it'll go well or whether it is the right guy to be doing it with or, or you know, whatever that might be. But the fact that they're making him feel special, they're putting on those promo videos, they're building up and building up and building up throughout the card Paddy Pimbit's going to be fighting they uh, you know they, they start the, the walkout while Paddy Pimbit is still kind of in the background they have him they, you know they make it special they make it different they make him feel like a big deal I think the UFC need to do that a little bit more and when they have the guy that they think is the guy they're really really great at doing it but some guys they, they just miss out on them or some you know some fighters when they're special fighters they miss miss out on them and myself and harry i don't know if it's out yet but we, we recorded a podcast talking about it and how you know some fighters need to do it for themselves because the ufc are not going to do it but the ufc need to do it for themselves as well and this paddy pimblet push is exactly what they need to do like i tweeted um during the car that a lot of people are talking about talk about all different fighters as hype jobs paddy pimblet is the hype job now that's not to say uh, i mean he's a useless fighter that he won't be champion or anything and we'll get to that in a second whether i do think he will be or not but they're hyping him and hyping him and hyping him if that if he does reach the level they want him to reach he will reach superstar levels because they're treating him like a superstar and that's what they should do more often that is what promoting is you know you make the fighter you have seem even bigger than he is make him seem like he is the best fighter in the world make him seem like he is an absolute superstar everywhere you know talking about selling out anfield and all of this like can he sell out anfield i don't know probably not let's be honest here but it doesn't matter it's never like an danfield show is more than likely never gonna happen but let's talk it up let's chat about it let's make paddy pim that seem like he's a massive deal let's you know you've wayne rooney there uh <laughs> at the uh uh at the side of the cage molly mccann jumping up and down it feels like a real massive thing and i think they made a fantastic effort to win him all week and they did a great job of it as well what, what did you think of that first of all before we get into the fighter before we get in to any of uh any of what we think is next for paddy the actual promotion of him and the way the ufc did it how, how did you find it would you find like I, I feel like some people might have thought it was a little bit of overkill i loved it what did you think oh i didn't think it was overkill at all i mean strike when the iron is hot like and you nailed it with the ufc and but i do believe some of it needs to boil down to the effort that paddy has made as well and just the accumulation of uh, of the years that you wait to to make the move over to the UFC as well. You know, there's been buffers on the table for him before, you know, and he's chose not to, he's chose to stick around with, with Cage Warriors. And, and he finally made the move last year. And I think he couldn't have timed it perfectly himself. Um, you know, he, he's at a level right now where he is a superstar status. And, you know, he's been matched well inside the UFC. And this week, you know, we talked about on the preview show it was like this 
Paddy can come in here and steal the show. And in some aspects, he did do that. I know there's lots of other talking points on the card, but it this card seemed more about Paddy Pimlet than it did anybody else. And 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 I thought that they handled it. The, the promotion of him perfectly, the walkout perfectly. Um, you know, I was watching it on UFC Fight Pass, but I believe that they, they broadcast the, the, his walkout on BT Sports and everything yeah, like they, that. They don't. Probably don't do, uh, which is also a good move as well, because part of all the stardom and part of all the hysteria around Paddy Pimblet is the walkout, is the energy he brings into the cage. And, you know, I'm, I love it. I really enjoyed watching it. I'm bought into the hype I want to see it continue um, yeah and we can talk about the fight now and we can talk about his future chances but I'm in the middle of it now and I'm enjoying it as as much as I I should and everybody should be doing it they should be they should be enjoying this because people like Paddy Pimblett don't come around too often to make the sport fun and you know he's a real character and and credit to the UFC for for jumping on him and credit to Paddy himself for for putting himself out there as well a hundred percent. Like, I think they've done a great job as well as you. You kind of alluded there the matchmaking. I think you know Vargas was the the perfect foil for Paddy. I suppose he gave him a little bit of trouble early. Even you know, okay, we'll get to it as we you know we're kind of alluded to as well. Uh, he almost knocked Paddy out early, even though like you know he's not <laughs> he, he's not exactly fucking Anderson Silva, but that 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 uh, that supposed to tell you no, a lot. Uh, I kind of watched I watched the I watched the opening sequence back. I'm not yeah. sure if you want to get into the fight now. And I the first time I watched it, I thought he was uh, a lot more hurt. And just before we came on, I wanted to watch that back again because I knew we'd be talking about it. And the punch did land. And I don't think he was as hurt as I thought the first time around. Whereas more so. The punch landed and he was like, oh, I need to get this fight down. Or he kind of pulled guard or fell back with the punch a little bit as well. But his eyes seemed clear. He seemed he seemed still witted when the fight hit the mat. And, and ultimately, the way the fight progressed, that, that was where he wanted it. That's where he wanted the fight to be. And, you know, he got it down that way. But he's going to have to be wary because he's going to be coming in against a better caliber opponent. And he's not going to get away with it each and every time that's exactly it but i think the usc need to do that like they need to uh be cognizant of that and i think they need to match make him in the right way because you when you have a star like that when you have a person that other people gravitate to whether they love him or hate him and i think most people kind of like patty and uh you know they're <laughs> they're kind of fascinated by him and he has a name you know, and the uh, the barstool kind of people are getting behind him and all as well. And you've all had it's you keep that ball rolling as long as you can. You know, they did a great job with Masvidal keeping the ball rolling. I think a lot longer than the, um, you know, that they, they, they could, and they did a great job. But I I don't know how long they can keep it rolling with Paddy. Um, maybe they'll have to sign a few lads. You know, but. I I love the what they're trying to do, and you you have people making comparisons with Conor McGregor. You know, oh, this is a even people who I respect in some ways. You know, in in the media game, talking about like, oh, this guy is you know he reminds you of the early days of Conor McGregor, and this is this is familiar and all of this, and it's like okay, and and so like I've made the point before, and and people may not get this, but Paddy Pimblett is way bigger than Conor McGregor. Uh, at this stage of his career than McGregor has at he- the stage of his career because Conor McGregor has come before him, you know? If there was someone else before McGregor who people are saying is the next fucking Joe Bloggs 
and they were Conor McGregor that McGregor probably would have been hyped up even more but now the fact that McGregor came before Paddy Pimblett people are thinking oh could he be this guy could he be the next Conor McGregor and he's been hyped even more because of it so there I don't think there's any question that Paddy at this stage of his career is bigger than McGregor at you know two fights into his uh, UFC career even though the hype was building for that as well uh, so it's you know McGregor uh, crawls so Paddy Pimblett could run if you want to if you want to put it that way but look we'll get to the elephant in the room altogether and that is look I kind of hum and haw around it a lot but Paddy Pimblett doesn't have the skill set to be a champion at 155 now like I and I've said it a few times this week that can he get it yeah and can you know if he improves he's not though I don't think like I would be extremely 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 surprised if he got into the rankings even in that division never mind got a title shot never mind got a, a, a championship now if he did he could, he could be one of the biggest stars we've ever seen in the history of the sport and I hope he does like it'll benefit me you know it'd be great for me it'd be great for probably everyone listening it'd be great for the fans it'd be brilliant for everyone but I'm here also to tell you the truth and well I'm here to tell you how I see it anyway and that's how I see it like he fought an opponent tonight and as you said Ian okay he wasn't maybe as, as hurt badly as, as it looked but even Paddy said afterwards yeah he did hit me and I was kind of a little bit rocked and he did get hit um when he pushes up those rankings and he is against a guy who has good jiu-jitsu and good wrestling and okay striking he's gonna find it very very tough now Paddy is an elite jiu-jitsu player for me in in MMA anyway his jiu-jitsu is fantastic he's a finisher he's dangerous he goes for things he can get them as well um and you know he is really really good in that aspect of the game and that's I was kind of talking about it this week a, a few different times about how people are like analyzing Paddy Pimblett and talking about him as this sort of fighter or that sort of fighter and comparing him to McGregor knocking lads out and everything like that meanwhile Paddy Pimblett is a jiu-jitsu guy you know he's he is um he, he is a submission artist he is way better on the ground he's way more comfortable there when he is on the feet he looks out of his depth a lot of times he you know, he stops shots with his head and it isn't improving. Like, I think offensively, he has improved as a striker. We didn't see any of it tonight. Now, we saw some of it in his last fight and he's definitely improved defensively. He'll have to improve massively defensively as a fighter. But I, it's very hard to see that because this isn't the fighter. Like, let's say, you know, Vucinic, who we saw and we'll get to at the weekend, gets into the UFC and he, he had the same issues, right? Nine fights into his career, ten fights into his career. There's still a lot of improvement to do there, whether it's Paul Hughes or Ian Gary, whoever it might be. Um, top prospect. Paddy Pimblett has, what is it, 20 fights? That is a lot of fights to have. 21 fights now to to have those gaping issues still in your game. And it's not just like, oh, I need to clean up this a little bit or do this differently a little bit. It's a gaping hole and a gaping issue in his game. Um, and it's... I don't want, I don't mean to like, oh, cool to talk or, you know, be a party pooper or anything. But when there's people talking about him in that fashion, we need to answer the, those words. It's great for him tonight. I think because of that, as I mentioned earlier, if we want to put those two things together, the UFC need to matchmake in, in, in a way to protect him and keep this ball rolling and keep him making money and keep the UFC making money. and keep Like, if they could do that and get him all the way to the title shot, that's the fucking best case scenario. I don't think that's possible, though. Well, what do you think overall of... Uh, of Paddy, uh, Ian, uh, am I uh, overboard a little bit, or, or do you uh, follow along the same lines? I I kind of follow along the same lines. I mean, I'm I'm not seeing anything right now 
with his skill set that would make me think that he is going to be championship material in the lightweight division. Like we also have to remember we're talking about the lightweight division in the UFC as well, which is an absolute killer's row of fighters as well. And um, you know, I want to see the same. I want to see Paddy successful. I want to see him matched up. He's what twenty seven right now. You know, let's let's not throw him to the wolves straight away. Let's build him up slow. I have no problem at watching that too. And and maybe we might see some development. But for tonight, I, I and what I've seen and what I've seen so far in these first two fights, there is a lot of openings there on the feet. And I'd be very worried for for Paddy if he was to go in there even with someone who who can defend the takedown and who has. Ver- pretty decent striking like a good boxer wrestler or something like that might cause Paddy a lot of troubles if he can't rely on his Brazilian jiu-jitsu yes he has power on the feet yes he, he can clip a couple of guys but he does leave himself wide open defensively and you just can't do that inside the UFC when you're fighting elite level level guys like I mean I'm interested to see what route they go down with him next uh, are they going to kind of keep him and try and put them on these uh, UK cards or these European cards or going to try and bring them over to the States and, and have them fight in some of the big shows over there. But it's definitely time to slow roll Paddy anyway. There's no rush in getting them up the top of the rankings. There's no rush throwing them to any of the top 15 or anything yet. Like I, I still think he's probably around four or five fights from even thinking about fighting the top 15 in, in the UFC if he rattles off a couple of fights over the next couple of years. But, you know, you're talking about, you want to talk about top prospects in the lightweight division, talk about Rafael Fizayev for Armin Saryukin. And, you know, you're, you're talking about Saryukin who came in and, and fought Islam Makhachev in his first fight and, and brought him to a decision like that. You know, it's fair to be starting to call him a real top prospect in in the UFC lightweight division. But from what I've seen so far with Paddy, you know, a great character, uh, like you said, a proper, he's a superstar now and he has that superstardom. And the UFC need to play the ball carefully with Paddy now, match him up correctly and, and not throw him to the wolves straight away. Yeah, and uh, we'll see if they can do that because... It's not something they have been doing over the last while, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see how they work it out. But another uh, mammoth fucking display from Paddy Pimblett, uh, <laughs> and another uh, uh, interesting and brilliant and fantastic um, stop on the train. And do you know what? I'm really, really looking forward to the next stop. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll it's see going to be goes. fun. I can't wait to. I mean, it's a fun journey that we're on right now, and. You know, like you said, we have to kind of say it as we is as it is and share our opinion. But I'm having tons of fun watching Paddy now and enjoying the show and enjoying his he's come up in the UFC. So it'll be fun to see where it goes from here. Yeah, let's uh, let's ride it out. Let's uh, <laughs> let's yeah, let's keep this uh, let's keep the trade going. Right, let's get to the the main event next altogether. Uh, Tom Aspinall versus Alexander Volkov. Um, Paddy Power accidentally paid me out in this. Uh, <laughs> This fight, don't, don't one tell him. Don't hang yourself. Don't You're no hanging yourself him. out to dry. Don't tell him. Don't tell him. Say nothing. Say that. It's always one to get good over, a good one over the bookies. <laughs> I don't know. How. I've taken all my money out. Hope well, it's like pending. So, but um, Tom Aspinall <laughs> beat Volkov in the first round. This was a strange, strange fight. You know, I like. I, I don't know why, maybe it was, I don't know, but like, Aspinall came out and he was landing his shots and he was doing well, and Volkov was kind of not even jabbing or not even like, 
you know, doing much, to be honest. And then Aspinall went for that takedown. And Volkov was kind of just laying there. Um, then got back up and hit him with one big shot down through the middle. It was kind of a slip, but it was kind of a shot as well. It was, it was you know, it was a nice kind of shot. And then Aspinall got the fight to the ground again. Got like a straight arm lock, which... Like, when the fuck was the last time you saw a straight arm lock in an MMA fight? And Volkov taps. Uh... This was, a, I don't know why. It, to me, maybe if I go back and watch it, I'll, I'll feel like it was no norm, so normal. But after the f- all the fights we've had, after all the insanity, after all the madness, it just feels like we got to a main event and it was one guy going in there to win and one guy going in there to lose. And that might sound a bit harsh on Volkov, but to me, that's what it felt like. How, how did it feel to you? Maybe, maybe, like, I'm genuinely now, and I'm saying this as I throw it over to you, I could be the only person on fucking god's green earth that saw the fight like that how, how did you see it well i seen tom aspinall come in and just go to work straight away and and not let volkov settle now volkov i have to agree didn't offer much in the fight but for me when i was looking at the fight i was thinking okay maybe aspinall will come in he'll try and find his distance try and find his range well, he didn't even do that at all. He just went in straight into the pocket and started firing off shots. Uh, landing early against Volkov, got the fight down, cut Volkov, hurt Volkov, and maybe put some doubt in Volkov's mind where he was like, fuck, this is not going to be my night tonight, so let's get out before there's some serious damage done here. Now, the fight got up, and Volkov did have that success on the feet hit with that shot kind of a slip on Aspinall as well but yeah after that Aspinall was like nope let's get this fight down um, and it was over before we knew it like you said very rare you see a straight arm lock inside the octagon and especially at that level as well but you know Tom Aspinall got the job done man He's he, he proved himself no matter what it's not his fault if Falkoff didn't perform to the best of his abilities Tom Aspinall went in there and fought his fight and he became a major, major player in the the heavyweight division tonight. And, you know, we were speaking uh, during the week about it and we were, we were wondering if it was going to be the right time. And it was the right time for Tom Aspinall. Uh, he, he went in there and he took that win. And, and he's going to be ranked in the top five now come early next week. And, and he called out uh, Tai Tu Avasa, which is a fight I... I think that's a great fight for Tom Aspinall, a winnable fight for Tom Aspinall, and one that will really, really put him into the title mix. I love that fight. As just the fight itself, I think it's a great fight. I really love it. And it makes uh, sense in that division as well, absolutely. I I think maybe why I found it so weird is, and we've seen this in Ireland as well a couple of times, the placement on the card. Like, we had the mad, mad, mad madness of Paddy Pimblett, and then we had the insanity of the co-main event of Aaron Lallan versus Dan Hooker. And I feel like... I feel like people view that as the main event, and there's a couple of reasons for that. I think the main reason actually for it was people weren't even sure if Volkov would turn up for this event until, like, Monday. And, like, we were doing... I know the two of us recorded a preview, and even last week, myself and Graham talked about it a little bit, and other people as well. It was like... 
there was a proviso at all times like is this fight not going to happen and I don't know if people are even previewing it properly or people are even talking about it properly or anything like that just because of that and there are so many fights this these days and there are so many fights that fall out it's like sometimes it's hard to just convince yourself to care about a fight you know even if you're going to it or even if you're you know you're at the event like Musasi versus uh, Vanderford was even a little bit like that at the Bellator card I was at a couple of weeks ago and that ended quickly thankfully like this one and it ended all well and good in the end but as it was going on it was just a bit weird you know and I think this yeah. had a, a little bit of that in it I had a touch of that as well I, I don't know did, did you, do you think there is something to that? Yeah, there is. Like, I mean, coming into it, all the talk was was Aspinall ready. Volkov is the most experienced opponent that he ta- that he was had taken on in his career so far. So it was like, yeah, we were expecting maybe to see Aspinall tested a little bit and maybe made feel a little yeah. bit uncomfortable in there, it but it didn't happen. Yeah. It didn't happen at all. So maybe that kind of took away from the fight a little bit as well. That it was just so one sided. Now, there's two ways you could look at it. It was great that it was one-sided, but you know, with everything going on and Volkov talked about his travel over to the UK and the doubt around the fight and everything that's going on right now. I honestly don't think we saw the best Alexander Volkov in there tonight. And you know, the fact that it was so one-sided maybe did take away from, from the fight and kind of uh, in a weird way was not the ending that we wanted for the card. Maybe we wanted to see this over and back fighting and a little bit of an edge on our seat, but Tom Aspinall never really looked in trouble at all, bar that small slip. But once, once that happened, he took the fight down, and it was over, over before we knew it. So that was a that was a clear knockdown. If Fatty Power asked him, that was a, <laughs> a clear knockdown. As was his takedown, that was also a clear knockdown. So we'll we'll say nothing about that, if anyone. But yeah, I did agree, and like we we should probably part that for a second because. Uh, you know, the major point that I made, and you, you kind of said there, the, coming into the card, was about the, the test for Aspinall. And we can fire away all the circumstances, as you said there, and I know I'm kind of reiterating the point that you made, but I think it should be made as well. Uh, again, that Aspinall has made that. And if he is fighting to Ivasa, he has now earned that. Like, I don't think... Uh, I've been like the main person probably saying it, but I don't think we should maybe start saying it anymore about like Aspinall is going too quick and he's going at the, you know, uh, at at the pace the UFC decide for him rather than the pace he should go at. Look, if he's going to fight to Ivasa next, I actually think that makes more sense than maybe even Volkov coming in here because they're evenly matched. They're both, you know, relatively young up-and-comers. They're both good strikers. Aspinall's very good on the ground as well, don't get me wrong. But, um, yeah, I think that fight makes a lot of sense in lots of different ways. So, in in a weird way, it's it's like it's almost like a step back for Aspinall while still making a step forward, if that makes any sense. Because it's a fight, like this fight was a fight that could have been a loss to a good guy who people maybe don't realize is a good guy. Now, we, we just talked about what happened and why we think it happened. But that feels like a fight against a guy who he probably will beat, I think, um, who is maybe ranked higher than he should be because of his last win over Derek Lewis. And a lot of that was through the matchup. You know, I picked Tuivasa to win that. And I, not, nothing bad on Tuivasa at all. I think it's because of Aspinall. And I believe in Aspinall now. To be a top, top fighter. So that's a very interesting fight and it makes a lot of sense and it is a good move for Aspinall uh, in his career. And, you know, the fact that this did end early and in quick, it kind of ended that weirdness as well. I think that was probably good for uh, for everyone. Let's talk about Arnold Allen and Dan Hooker here a second. And maybe, we, you know, we could, we'll could we probably come back to Aspinall again maybe or we'll mention him somewhere down the line. Um, I, I, I just want to go to my notes here because, yeah, I was thinking, I didn't take any notes for this fight <laughs> 
us. I don't think we, we, did, we didn't get any time I to take notes. I didn't get a chance. I didn't get a chance. <laughs> I don't know what happened here. This was just absolute and utter insanity. Like, coming into this fight, I thought... Arnold Allen would play cool on the outside like he did kind of early right I thought Dan Hooker would be throwing his few jabs throwing his right hands down the middle when Arnold Allen even th- thought about a takedown Hooker would be throwing that knee inside but like kind of pushing the top of Allen's head as he did it so maybe not to get taken down so he, he could kind of sprawl as he did it and do things like that and that did happen a little bit at the start. He threw kind of one knee inside and he, he was able he didn't even have to sprawl Allen didn't kind of go after him for a takedown or anything like that but then Allen just landed one shot and he was like, well, I can land in this guy. And then he just landed shot after shot after shot after shot. Almost got fucking KO'd by Dan Hooker with, I don't know what the fucking shot was. As I said, I wrote down no notes, but he hit him with a punch to the face and almost knocked him out. Allen popped back up. Like, do you know do you know those little machines where you like hit him with hammer, hammers at the fucking fun fair? Do you know them yokes? He just popped back up and just started fucking punching him again. And next thing, Hooker was like, I thought the ref was going to stop it. Uh, I think I think it was Dan Mulvahedi, maybe Mark Otter. No, it was Mulvahedi, I think. Uh, he didn't. He did a great job. He was kind of looking at it. He didn't stop it. Let it go another bit. And then Aaron Lallon was like, okay, right, let me take my time. Wait, no, fuck it. And just started throwing loads of shots again. And just a massive barrage of shots over and over and over again. I, I see here in Topology, they have punches, knees, and elbows is the TKO. And God almighty, I, I don't know. I'd have to watch it back again about 10 times. But have I just watched it there like an hour ago? It felt like just a blur of everything coming at Dan Hooker. And the referee eventually did. And he rightly, I think, a good stoppage stopped it. This was a magnificent round of just ma- half a round of madness from Arnold Allen, wasn't it? And, you know, we talk about guys reaching the uh, the part of their career where they become a great fighter or where they rise to that level where people realize that they're at that level when they should have probably realized two or three fights be- beforehand. That's where Arnold Allen got tonight. Unbelievable, wasn't it? Unbelievable. Literally, literally hit him with everything except the kitchen sink in there. Um, I have a couple of things to say. I, I don't know. This. I don't know. I, I think I saw a kitchen sink at one stage. <laughs> you saw the kitchen. <laughs> I think I saw it coming at one stage. <laughs> but uh, look, at before this fight uh, on the preview show, I, I went out and I said, if Arnold Allen went out there and chose to strike with Dan Hooker, in the early stages of this fight, he may live to regret it. I was massively wrong about that. I was massively wrong. He, Arnold Allen went into berserker mode tonight. He, like you said, once he found success and realized he, he shook Dan early on with a punch and he just went for the kill after that. And it was unbelievable. And, you know, he took some risks in there too as well because, like, you know, he could have, Dan Hooker could have landed that shot way more clean and, and Ireland Allen could have been left out cold. He bounced back, he took that shot and came back even harder at Dan Hooker. The other thing I was saying before the fight about Arnold Allen was, you know, the streak that he's on and the kind of persona that he has. Now, he came out of his shell a little bit more this week, but it reminded me of Leon Edwards. And I was fearful for Arnold Allen that he would go down that Leon Edwards route where, you know, the string of wins would not do him any favors in his run for the title. But... What he did tonight is something that we have not seen from Leon Edwards in, in recent fights. And and that's going out there and going for the kill and taking a few chances in, in inside the cage. And he did exactly all of that tonight. 
and he took that fight away from Dan Hooker. And it was one of the best performances of his career. And he made himself almost undeniable for a title shot. How could you not give him a title shot after that fight? I, I was very surprised when he called out Calvin Cater after the fight. I was like, what are you doing? That's that's a massive mistake, I think. Because like, yeah. if Max Holloway is not there, you know, they seem to be mad to give Max Holloway a title shot next. If he is not there, or whatever the crack is at Max, to fight the winner of the Korean Zombie and Alexander Volkanovsky, it should be Aaron Allen. Like, you can't deny someone with nine wins when they just beat Dan Hooker, you know, when they've beat Yusuf, the guy, you know, the top 12 or 13 guy before that. You're beating the guy in Hooker who is a top six or seven guy, even though he was up at lightweight, but we all know the crack. We know where he is. Like, to me, beating Dan Hooker is like beating a Calvin Cater. Okay, Cater's probably ahead of him, and, you know, at this stage of his career, probably a little bit of a better fighter too, or, you know, I've a lot of respect for Cater. I'm not saying I have a lot of respect for Hooker as well. But that's, it feels like a little bit of a sideways <laughs> movement to call yeah. him out, and that's the only thing I would say about uh, about uh, Aaron Allen tonight. But, I like, I couldn't agree more. I think he's put himself right in that spot. And your point about Leon Edwards as well, I tweeted after the fight, Arnold Allen is the best fighter in the UK, and I mean that, and I include Leon Edwards in that as well. I think he's a better fighter than Leon Edwards. Like, the thing about Leon at that division is, like, there are so many fighters in that division, I think, that would beat him and beat him pretty comprehensively. Now, I have great respect for Leon. I think he's a very, very good fighter as well. And, you know, to be beaten by Colby Covington or Usman or whoever it might be, there's no absolutely no shame in that. You're still a very, 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 very good fighter. I don't think you could say the same for Arnold Allen. Like, okay, you know, and people probably call me up. Well, what about if he fought Max? What about if he fought Volkanovski? Those are two guys. I like. I feel like he would have a better chance of beating Max or Volkanovski than Leon Edwards would have of beating the two guys in his division. And I think, you know, they're arguably better fighters as well. They're very similar, I think, in, in terms of scope for each division if you were to put everything aside and do all the pound-for-pound bullshit and everything like this. But I just think, like, Arnold Allen is one of those guys... When, like I did during the week and I know you did during the week as well you go and watch his fights and you see like you try to look for the bad parts of his game for something you know how a guy like Dan Hooker might beat him and you look for the good parts of his game uh, as well and it's very easy to find the latter half or the latter parts and very very difficult to find the former he, like the only thing I could find is he's kind of low head inside but he didn't get hit anything uh, you know, by a yeah. much bigger guy than uh, Dan Hooker. He's so strong. We saw tonight another aspect of him as well. He can go to war. He can take a shot and come through it. He hits hard. His ground game is unbelievable. Like, this guy is next level. I would love to see him in there with Max Holloway. I would love to see him in there with uh, Volkanovski. And you know what? Those are the guys I think he should be there and should be in there with next. He should have been calling out Volkanovski tonight because I think he could be. And, you know, they want to push the English guys as well. They want... They should want to push him. And he like he's another guy, I think, over the last while, just because of his online persona, you know, talking about the Tesco meals and stuff. I know everyone's like jumping on that and trying to get like his shine off it. Um he's done a great job of kind of promoting himself and being funny online, I think, as well over the last while. And I think that kind of stands to people, but I like I am a big fan of Aaron Dan. I have been for a good while. I know we've talked about it before on, on other podcasts, and myself and Graham have talked about it on this podcast as well. That this guy needs more respect, and I think I hope after after tonight. Do you think after tonight he will actually get that respect he deserves? Any other thoughts on Aaron Dan before we move on? Well, like 
if he doesn't get his fucking respect after that, you must be blind, to be honest. Like, especially after watching his last fights, he blew me away tonight with his performance. Like, I had said to you in the preview last week that I believed that he was one of the greatest talents to ever come out of the UFC. There's some great fighters already have come out of uh, out of the UK. I mean, excuse me, not the UFC. And I I was expecting him to go in there and show showcase some skills tonight, where I thought he would use his grappling a lot more early on, show his strength and show that he can just take down and dominate a striker. But he didn't. He went out there and he showed he could outstrike a striker and he could outbattle a striker. And he absolutely blew me out of the waters with his performance. I mean, he deserves all the credit in the world. He's he's now up there at the top in the upper echelons of the featherweight division. And, you know, he has big, big fights on the way. And whether it's a, it's not going to be a title fight. I honestly don't think, I think, you know, I said, you can't deny him a title shot. He should have went out and called for a title shot, whether he called for it or whether he didn't call for it. Honestly, the way things are shaping up in the featherweight division right now, I'm not too sure he would have got it either which way, but he has some great, big, big fights coming up. And, and the next couple of years are going to be huge for Arnold Allen. And 100%. if things go, if things go his way, he can very well take that championship belt. Yeah, I would tend to agree. I would love to see him in a couple of those big fights. Let's uh, let's see it over the next while. You see, let's get going. Let's do it. Uh, right. Uh, Gunnar Nelson versus Takashi Sato. Now, this is not a fight we need to spend a half an hour on. We're, we're 50 minutes into the podcast here, so we, <laughs> we better jump out of it. Uh, oh, look, Gunnar Nelson it was an easy matchup. Takashi Sato basically didn't draw a punch. Didn't put up the only resistance he put up was kind of defending the rear naked choke. Gunny did a good job. I thought his takedowns looked good. Got takedowns in every single round. Uh, there wasn't much striking on the feet, uh, but when it did get to the ground, Gunny landed those lovely shots. And he, I don't know if you noticed again, he wasn't wearing his hand wraps. And when you don't have those hand wraps on, I think it's so much easier to land like those short slapping shots inside, and they sound so much harder as well because it's like. It's kind of more skin on skin at times, and it's it's easier to land more accurate shots because you don't have like a big massive hand. It's just like your normal hand and a bit of a glove on it. So I think that was a massive advantage. But overall, Ian, gonna get the three rounds in after being out for two years. It was, I think, all in all, it was a success for him coming back. Even though maybe he didn't look m- magnificent, even though his opponent wasn't the best in the world, that fight time I think will be invaluable for him. Ah, it will. It's hard to come back in there after so long out. And, um, you know, he, he would have liked to probably get the, the finish tonight. He came close on a few occasions. But overall, he gets 15 minutes in the book and, and he can build off that and he'll move on to the next fight. It'll be interesting to see how he goes. He, he didn't look too much more different than what we last seen inside the Octagon, which would kind of worry me a little bit if he was to face a little bit stiffer competition. But, uh, you know, once he goes in and take, gets that fight down to the ground, there's a lot, a lot of people that will be able to hang with him in that division. Gunny Nelson versus Ian Gary next. That's the one I want. Let's, let's make it. <laughs> maybe not, maybe not. Maybe that's going to be too far, but... I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind doing that to be honest. But yeah, let's see. Uh, let's see how it goes. Uh, I always look. I've always wanted to see Gunny Nelson versus Wonderboy. I don't know whether it makes sense now. Gunny's out of the rankings for a while and things. But um, yeah, let's uh, let's see that. Anyway, uh, you could do the Pon- you could do the Ponzi rematch. Maybe yeah. there's a bit of heat around that first fight. So Ponzi is ranked right now. So it might make sense to do that. Yeah, let's do it. Let's uh, let's have a bit of fun, Jack. Let's do it. Uh, Molly McCann versus Luina Carolina. Now this was probably. There was a lot of mad fights <laughs> during the night, but this might have been the maddest one of all. Molly McCann just came out 
absolutely berserkers was going after everything and I was thinking about two minutes into the round Molly is going to wilt here so badly uh, she almost got to finish a couple of times in the round but I don't think it was in with the strikes or with the power of the strikes or anything like that I think it was more to do with how she was kind of overwhelming uh, Luana Carolina um, I don't think I don't think she was on, in terrible trouble at any stage but the fight got to the second round anyway. Uh, Molly McCann got a... Um, uh, she got a takedown uh, at one stage. But she didn't land many shots. And it was a close round. So, But, you know, went into the third round. And it, it didn't really matter. Molly did look tired. Catalina was starting to land more shots. But there was a break. And uh, from the, the clinch in the middle of the cage. Molly turned. And she hit her with a massive spinning shot. Elbow right to the face. And knocked her spark out one of the knockouts of the year unbelievable shot and a cr- just a crazy fight for molly mccann because after that first round or even in the middle of that first round i know i was kind of thinking oh jesus this could be trouble for molly and as the third round was progressing after that close second i was thinking like oh god this decision could go anywhere but molly took it out of the hands of the judges with that shot what a knockout Ian. i know this is one of those ones that get you out of your seat isn't it it fucking got me out of my seat and I was I couldn't believe it. I nearly had to go outside to cool down after. I was like, oh my God. It was just kind of one of those shots that came out of nowhere as well because like you said, Carolina was coming back into the fight and, and she was looking confident as well and kind of playing up to Molly McCann the same way as Molly McCann was playing up to her in, in kind of the first round and next thing, bam, out of nowhere, absolutely crucified her with the elbow. And uh, it was it's a knockout that's going to be shown for years and years and years. And one thing I really liked in that fight was the corner advice. You know, they were alluding to what you were saying with Molly, where she was coming in with the fast flurries, where I felt, and I said it, I was watching her, one of my friends here, I said, instead of going in with those flurries, if she stood back and picked off the body shots a little better and landed like less flurries and more power, it would stand to her a lot better because I was worried about her gassing out too. But like you said, she took a, she took the, the her cardio out of the question and took the judges out of the question all with that spinning back elbow. It was absolutely beautiful. Mad stuff altogether. And look, Molly, uh, you know, she was one fight away probably from being out of the UFC not too long ago. And it's great to see her. Like Molly is one of those ones. She's just an infectious lovely personality a nice person when you see her in uh, I, I think she she's one of those persons you see her in public sometimes and I've seen her a couple of times and she's kind of like she's one of those people that if you're her best friend I feel like she's the nicest person in the world and if you're not you're, she's probably the worst person in the world to me and that's that's a compliment now I, I don't mean that in a bad way or in any, in any way shape or form but she's one of those infectious personalities she's so likeable and you know she's uh, she's great and she's you know Molly I think She's a fighter that I saw early in her career uh, coming through, obviously, in Cage Warriors and all, and she had so much stuff to work on, but it seems like she has worked on a lot of her um, her game. Like, even look tonight, I was thinking, oh, God, she's going to get tired after that first round. She, okay, she, uh, anyone's going to get tired after that first round, but she was still looking grand in the third round. It wasn't like she wilted completely or she had nothing left. She was still fighting well in the third round. Yeah, she wasn't gassing out. She wasn't gassing out at all. She was she was tiring. She was slowing down a little bit, and that was giving Carolina a bit of confidence. But uh, yeah, she wasn't looking all that bad at all. Um, But yeah, she's it was an unbelievable finish. I think she's improved, like technically. I think she's improved uh, offensively and defensively as well. And you know, it must it must be very very difficult in Liverpool. Or and I know. 
uh, you know, or in, in this part of the world indeed, because there aren't that many female fighters. I know she's come over and she's trained with Liam McCourt and she's trained with, uh, you know, some of the bo- uh, female boxers and stuff around. And um, I, I think that's that's probably served her well, but it's very tough for, and it's maybe a, a thing we don't say enough, but for, you know, women like Molly and Sinead Kavanagh and, and Liam McCourt and others, that they don't have loads of training partners. And I know that will get better. We've talked about it in terms of the, the women coming through at the moment, the likes of, you know, Dee Begley and Sh- um, Shauna Bannon and everyone else. Hopefully in a few years, this won't even be a talking point, but it's it's very, very difficult. I think when you get in there against another woman, it's 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 alien to you at times and not not alien in terms of you've never been in there before but like if you're a man and you're going in there fighting another man well you've sparred fucking a load of men for the last six weeks at that level a lot of the times and it's very much different for women a lot of times i think and um sh- uh, to improve with that behind you or with that issue is i think uh, a, a big big thing for molly mccann i definitely think she has and she's looking she's looking great i, I like i think like there's still a lot of work to do but like Molly seems to me, and I don't know if you agree or not, I don't know if the people out there agree, we, we'll move on after this, but she seems to me as one of those people that could be kind of a late bloomer in her career, even though, you know, she's 16 fights in and she's got here, but I feel like in in 10 fights time we could see a big improvement from Molly and she could start rising and rising and rising, but uh, I don't know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Anyway, we'll move on because we'll be here all night otherwise. Um, a couple of the, okay. We're going to have to run through these fights pretty quickly because it's insanity. Let me talk about three of the fights here. Macwin Americani, Mike Grundy. A great walkout by Mike Grundy. Unfortunately, they showed his father and I think he's he has um, a bad disease and things. But it was lovely the way they did it and they made him feel special. And they did it with someone else earlier in the night as well. I think it was uh, Corey McKenna. I think her mother was there. I love that. The UFC need to do more of that. Anyway, in that fight, Americani came out. And he uh, Anaconda choked him within a minute. A beautiful finish for Amerikani and a big win for him. Some massive stuff for Amerikani. Pavlovich as well knocked out Abdurrahimov in the first round there after a, a bit of a back and forth. Um, and that was a, a good finish for him. And then that Elise Reed versus Corey McKenna fight. God, this was the one fight that really stood out in this card. I thought this was very, 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 very poor. Uh, you know, okay six fights into your career eight fights into your career what do you expect i suppose but this was very low quality stuff Corey mckinn i know a lot of people talking about her as one of the up-and-comers coming through she's a lot of work too i feel like sometimes you get to the ufc too early and too young and Corey mckinn needs a lot of fights she, you can see she has the tenacity uh, she has some of the skill set and all of that but she needs a lot more experience and i think a big issue is well, i think harry said it in the chat uh, she should be at 105 and this one, 115 division is going to be an issue for her all the time but Elise Reed uh, got the judge's decision she got a split decision I think Derek Cleary had all three rounds for McKenna I don't know about that one but she was landing straight rights the whole time down through the middle and she definitely deserved that she was definitely the better fighter right the other three fights Jack Shore against Timur Valiev Jack Shore here <sighs> in that third round I think it, you know it was one of those fights here where uh, it was close and it was close and it was close but I think Shore kind of just did enough and kind of took it away from him in that third round. I know the MMA hasn't scored that way, but he is one of these guys who, whenever he's met with a challenge, whenever someone puts it up to him in a certain way, it feels like he can beat him in that certain way. And this was one of these fights. It was a fight that happened a couple of weeks ago. It was the same. It came to the third round, and I was thinking, oh, this had not a great fight. And then after the third round, I'm thinking, like, we need two more rounds of this. <laughs> and unfortunately, we can't get that. But Jack Shore... He might not be the most outlandish talker, the most outlandish fighter even in the world, but he's goddamn good. He's a 
fundamental, basic, brilliant fighter. And he's going to take beating in that division, isn't he? 16 and all. How high are you on Jack Shore? Oh, I'm very high on Jack Shore. Like, he's not going to get enough credit for that victory tonight because Valiev is a, a tough fucking guy to, that he fought in there tonight. And, and we've seen that it was a tough matchup on paper. It was a tough match inside the octagon tonight as well and you know Jack Shore handled it and, and and you know he deserved the decision and he deserves to fight a ranked opponent next give that man a ranked opponent next please he deserves it I agree 100% I agree I agree another bug guy I think who deserves a lot more than what he's getting is Paul fucking Craig the bear this, Jew this, what a man this guy what, give this man respect oh he gets a lucky submission he gets a lucky submission he gets a lucky submission how many fucking lucky submissions can a man one man get you know he goes out there he, he oh my god I, I loved it so much I think we were talking about it actually it's coming out next Wednesday we did a podcast and we recorded it the other day about um uh, Heist Gracie, and I, I was kind of talking on that about how w- you can take certain things from older fighters that maybe we don't see as often in MMA that we should see more of. And I think pulling guard and pulling the fight to the ground is one thing that jiu-jitsu guys should admire. Look what fucking Paul Craig did here immediately. Comes straight out and basically pulls guard, gets him on top. Okay, he almost got fucking knocked out because of it. But you know what? He won him the fight too. And he ended up getting a triangle choke with a minute and three seconds left on it. Um... I can't say enough good things about Paul Craig. He's also, I think he's made a lot of smart betters, a lot of money down through the years. He was the underdog in this fight. The underdog. His submission. What was he to win by submission? He was two or three to one to win by submission. Crazy altogether. What a win for Paul Craig here. Unbelievable. And, you know, while we're at that, Tapuria versus Herbert was one of the rounds of the year for me in the first round. Unbelievable. In that body shot to right hook KO fight, Tapuria in the second round was crazy. Tom. I don't know. I, 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 maybe we'll have to go over this card again in a second, but Paul Craig and Taporia, who, who are you most impressed with, uh, Ian? What, what did you think about them? Oh, fuck, that was a tough, that's a tough question. I mean, both, both of these guys amazed me tonight. I, Paul, that's Paul Craig's seventh triangle victory, not seventh submission. That's his seventh triangle choke that he's got in his career so far. And I said on Twitter, at, uh, I said, he's playing, I said he played possum and he, and he lured Krylov in to, to that triangle choke and then I was kind of questioning myself as like maybe and then he came out and said it in his post fight interview he was like and you know maybe he was playing up to it a little bit saying that I was letting him hit me in the face but what he did was he made Krylov comfortable in that position and thinking that he was maybe more in control than what he was and then smack the middle the minute he got that that opportunity threw up the triangle and it was it was over before we knew it it was unbelievable out of Paul Craig and he deserves he, he should have been way up the further the card tonight, number one. And I think he deserves all the credit in the world. And uh, he's going to be in the top 10 next week. He deserves to be there and hope he gets a big fight next. Ilya Taporia, I mean, this lad, this guy is the truth, man. I mean, to come up and, you know, to face the adversity he faced in round one. Jai Herbert hit him with a high kick from hell there. I don't know how he stayed up, but he didn't stay up. But I don't know how he just quickly recovered so so fast. I thought Jai made a little bit of a mistake by when he hurt him. He initiated the grappling and tried to maybe get him down. And I think that allowed Taporia to recover a little bit. I thought maybe if Herbert let him up, that he might have been able to crack him again when he was a little bit hurt or foggy. But, you know, Taporia came out round two turned it right around and and landed a beautiful hook to the body and followed over with a beautiful right hand over the top. And Jai Herbert was out bad. It was a bad knockout. 
Uh, I felt bad for Jai. He's had a tough run of it in the UFC, but he lost to a guy tonight who is definitely championship material. Don't not forgetting that he moved up in weight tonight. He's a natural featherweight. So to go up and do that to a guy that's a weight class above is not to be snuffed at. And that was an unbelievable performance yeah. tonight from. Yeah. He needs to get back down to featherweight, though. He's too small in that division. He really yeah. needs to. And I know, I, I think he was forced to go up there by California, if I'm not mistaken, because he missed weight. But, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's going to need to get back down. Uh, but, look, Joy Herbert's maybe one of the most unlucky guys in the fucking M- in MMA. He got a tough matchup. He's gotten lots of tough matchups. He almost knocked Tapori out. Very, very nearly had him. Uh, but Tapori came back. And what a comeback. Unbelievable. And, you know, what a, what a card. What a card. Like, Unbelievable. If you just go through it quickly. A submission for Mikhaev. Uh, we leave the Reed fight away for a second. A, a, a brilliant performance from uh, Shore. A mesmeric submission from Paul Craig. A beautiful knockout from Plavlovich. A lovely submission for Amir Khani. One of the rounds of the year and one of the knockouts of the year from Aliyah Taporia. Molly McCann, one of the knockouts of the year and one of the rounds of the year in terms of performance uh, in her first. One of the, you know, the, the, the past stars, I suppose, of uh, the welterweight division. Gunny Nelson coming back after a while. Oh, Paddy Pimblett, could he be the next Conor McGregor? You know, unbelievable stuff. Arnold Allen, to me, uh, putting himself out there as one of the best featherweights in the world. And Tom Aspinall, you know, putting him out there as one of, himself out there as one of the best heavyweights in the world. A great, great, great night and a, a great uh, array of fights for the UFC. And you know what? On Friday night, myself and you, Ian, we both sat down and we had a similar experience here because we went from KO to Anaconda Choke to a very fun decision to a KO, to a KO, to a KO, to a rear naked choke at Cage Warriors. We barely had a fucking decision in two nights of watching fights in, in here. And you know what? I was never, ever so delighted to be at home watching fights. Because as someone who's covered a few cards recently, and you know, the two Bellator cards, it's very hard to sit down and enjoy the fights. Because you're running off your feet, you're going to this camera, and you're going to upload this video on your half. I'm so glad I wasn't there at these. I was thinking about goal. I'm so, so glad I wasn't there because these cards were unbelievable. I'm so glad I sat at home and, and I watched them. Um, let's let's get to Jordan Vucinic. If anyone hasn't watched Cage Warriors 134, it was, it was a mad week. Jordan Vucinic was supposed to fight Ireland's own Paul Hughes to amalgamate the uh, featherweight titles Vucinic is the champion Hughes is the interim champion Hughes got a neck injury uh, and pulled out it's you know more bad luck for Paul Hughes he would really bad luck at the start of his career with hand injuries you know then he got an, an injury I remember before uh, he was supposed to fight or uh, kind of he was supposed to fight in in, in, uh, in Dublin and he wanted on the card and Graham Boylan was like well you can't get on this card it's too late and then he got an injury when he was supposed to fight last year as well Graham Boylan said and then he said oh, I don't have an injury and then he was like oh, I'm taking time out then he came back and he won the fight uh, the last time out against Charrier in a very close one and then he got injured again and his fight was also has been so so unlucky for him Hinden was supposed to fight God Almighty I can't even remember now at this stage who Hinden was supposed to fight it feels like 100 years ago he was supposed to fight Steve Amiable then he was supposed to fight Harilla Harilla was supposed to fight uh, against Jeremy Peatley then he was supposed to fight Hinden then he ended up fighting Decky McAleen and Decky was supposed to fight Rory Evans sorry Decky was supposed to fight Dan Collins then he was supposed to fight uh, Paul McBain which wasn't even announced uh, but that fight was supposed to happen then he ended up fighting Harilla it was absolute madness altogether the George Hardwick lightweight title fight fell out again he ended up in a catchweight bout against Lucas Capera 
absolute madness and we were left with a seven fight card so to Vucinic <laughs> that took me about four minutes to get to the main event what a what a fight this was Hinden came out there and he took Vucinic down he had a great performance in the first round I'm not sure who won it, it but it was one of those rounds that it doesn't really matter who won it Hinden set the stall out and he did a great job but Vucinic changed that fight there was a clinch in the middle of the cage uh, Vucinic just jumped up got his back took the fucking uh, took the fight away from him put in the rear naked choke got a standing submission absolutely beautiful finish after Hinden put it up to him and for Vucinic you know he was going in against someone who he was able to stop the takedowns with uh, against um, Paul Hughes the first time they fought who I'm sure he wouldn't have been too worried about the takedowns even though he should be a little bit but he comes in here against Hinden a takedown uh, guy you know a very very good wrestler totally different matchup on a couple of days notice and he gets taken down and for him to bounce back and win in the second round the way he did even though he made a few tactical errors maybe in the first throw knees and different things what a comeback, what a performance, what a choke here from Var- Jordan Vucinic. You know, we talk about star-making performances. If anyone's watching Cage Warriors, I think this was one from him, from that walkout to the performance to the finish. Great stuff, wasn't it, Ian? Yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, the walkout, he soaked it all in. Uh, the crowd was buzzing for him. Um, you know, yeah, like you said, made a couple of mistakes in in the first round, going for that flying knee, uh, the guillotine as well. Um but to me, it was all about the adjustments he made in between rounds and just the fact that he just went out there and left no doubt in anybody's mind in round two when he jumped the back and, and put on that rear naked choke almost almost immediately after taking the back. I thought, you know, we see a lot of fighters when they have their back taken out that they're choosing to stand up. And, you know, I think the best position when you're in that kind of uh, when you have someone on your back like that is to hit the mat and trying to use your legs to give you some leverage to get out the choke as well but you know Fuchenich was absolutely unbelievable what a crazy week it was for him you know the opponent change probably the disappointment of not being able to 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 go in against Hughes again and to prove himself and to defend his title you know there was a big build up to that fight it can't have been easy for him on the lead up when he found out that Hughes was out early last week and then on top of all of that he just comes in and puts on this kind of performance as well it's like massively impressive overall by Fuchenich and it'll be interesting to see what's happening next I know we had a little chat about it on the group as well does he go and take the fight in Belfast with Paul Hughes will there be an offer on the table from the UFC what are your thoughts on that I I think Cage Warriors will do all they can to make Vucinic versus Hughes. I know they want that fight. They think it's a big arena fight, you know, uh, whether it's the Tree Arena or the Odyssey, maybe, or whatever it might be, uh, or, or somewhere in the UK. They want, they really, really want that fight. Um, and I think they could maybe pay a little bit extra to the two guys to make it happen, to uh, to kind of maybe not stop them going to the UFC, but to, to have that fight in cage warriors. Now, the thing is, uh, and I, uh, you know, it's a very blunt thing to say, but I think if Hughes had fought here, and had won, there wouldn't be any question. Even if it was against Hinden, you know, if, say Fuchinich had pulled out, uh, he would be going to the UFC, I think. And I think the reason for that uh, uh, is two, you know, twofold. He's Irish, first of all, and the UFC love having Irish fighters, and they love 
having guys, you know, with a bit of an online persona, although Hughes you know, his online persona is, is very different to a lot of the other guys and a bit funny and, you know, but anyway, that's that's beside the point. Uh, and he signed with Paradigm as well and, you know, they have the in there. And maybe, now, I'm not sure where Jordan Vucinic is sound, signed with, but he doesn't really have much of an online persona and... You know, he's not a guy I don't think they'd be reaching out immediately to sign. You know, it feels like he would be just another very good English guy on an undercard if they signed him for, for uh, UFC London, like a Jack Shore. Or, or Nathaniel Wood actually didn't fight tonight. What happened to that fight? I just uh, realised. Did that fight fall Yeah, Morales, Morales had pulled out actually ah. on Thursday. So, yeah, it was very unfortunate for, for Nathaniel Wood. <laughs> I just realised that fight never happened. I'm like, what the fuck happened? But, and that's, no, what I said there might sound very, very offensive, but I mean that from the UFC's point of view, and I mean that from, you know, the high point of view. I think Jordan Vucinic is a top, top, top prospect in Europe and should be in the UFC and absolutely deserves it. I think he's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant fighter. I think the UFC should, should sign him. But I'm talking about reality here a little bit. So the fact that, to me, that's a reality. Now maybe the UFC could sign him tomorrow and it'll be all if you're, bullshit. If you're what? a part of his management team now, are you not pushing for that UFC? Who are his management team, though? Like, if he, if his management team is his co- you know, his cousin and Mikey from down the road, what the fuck are they pushing? Like, they, they don't have Sean Shelby's number or whatever, you know? If his manager yeah, is... Mikey. Yeah. <laughs> if his manager is, you know, Danny Rubenstein or, or uh, you know, uh, Audi Attar or whoever it might be, then it's a different story. But, you know, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe we could Google it and look it up while it is there. But it's, you know, I, I don't know. We know Paul Craig's management is, and that's that's the way the cookie crumbles a lot of time as well. So I think the UFC should offer him, or sorry, uh, Cageware should offer him a good bit of money to take that fight to keep him here. The same for Hughes. And let's make that fight. Let's make that the big main event. Let's get Joe McCulgan back as well. They announced the card for Belfast. When is it? June 25th. Another one, unfortunately, I won't be able to go to because I have a prior engagement that night. But anyway, that should be a massive card for Belfast. I'm looking forward to seeing that. We'll run down through the rest of the card quickly here as well. Will Curry got a, a really good finish. Uh, he just... like Will Curry is one of these guys who's seven fi- nine fights into his career, sorry. And I feel like when he's... 15 fights into his career, this guy is going to be a different level. He's so athletic, so good, good on top. It was a great stoppage here. Uh, Patrick Valley as well didn't give up or anything like that. He fought. He was tough. He got hurt early, and, and uh, Curry ended up getting the finish. Josh Hardwick had a tough fight as well, as well against Capera, uh, but ended up getting the finish there. He's I love his little inside shots. He's such... You know, he's such a dainty little fighter, George Hardwick, and that, I, I love him. I love watching him fight. He's going back watching some of his fights this week. Um, you know, he's one of those guys I have a lot of respect for, and I think he's a very, very, uh, very, very good fighter. What did you think of, of Curry and, and Hardwick, Ian? Uh, I thought Will Curry was excellent. I thought it was his, his most composed and his most impressive performance so far. I know he's had, like, a couple of good performances in the past, but he looked really good in there, looked really composed, didn't rush the finish, had Patrick Valley in trouble almost instantly in the fight with that hook kick and that front kick, and he, what was it, an overhand right and then a front kick to the face. Nearly had the fight finished in the first 15 seconds. But, you know, remained calm, remained composed, remained in control, and that comes with fight experience. So I'm, I'm kind of on the same boat as you. I'm excited to see his career progression because he really has all the, the facets to be a really good good fighter in the middleweight division in Cage Warriors and wherever he goes after that. With George Hardwick, um, you know, he did, didn't have it all his own way early. Maybe he, he found it hard to maybe make the reads or the adjustments with the opponent change. Um, with Capera came in, uh, he came in um, relatively short notice into this fight, I believe. Um, and, you know, when he did make those adjustments, 
it was pretty pretty home and hose for him. Uh, lovely fighter has had a real bad run of luck lately with title fights falling out. And I think, like you were saying, with Belfast coming up, let's stick himself and Joe McCulgan in there and see what happens. I think that would be an absolutely yeah. phenomenal fight over there. I think that fight has to happen next. So I put it out there last night. Joe McCulgan liked the tweet. And, you know, Joe is a guy who has a very good job. And he talked to Graham uh, on the 10 Years of Severe MMA podcast a couple of weeks ago. And he kind of said on that, like, you know, I'm probably not going to come back unless it's something important, unless I have the right time, unless it is, you know, it makes sense for me. And, Will the fact it's in Belfast, there's much traveling, there's much, you know, much going on, much to do. Will that draw him back? I, I, I think it probably will. Now I might be wrong, but I think it probably will. And I think him versus Hardwick is, is the fight to make. Like, you look at Paddy Pimblett and we were talking about matchmaking him. I think he, he was kind of lucky that he got out of the cage warriors at the time he got because him versus Joe is not a good matchup for him. Him versus Hardwick, I think, is a nightmare matchup for him. Aggie Sadari as well. I don't know if he's in, still in cage warriors or what the crack he is. I think he is, but he's a bad matchup for Paddy as well, I think. So these guys, these lightweights and the featherweights as well in cage warriors are unbelievable. And speaking of a lightweight and a, a, a featherweight, uh, Tobias Rilla versus Decky McAleen and... This was a, cra- a crazy, crazy fight. You know, Decky has said over the last while that no one will strike with him and no one stands up with him. I think maybe Decky stood up a little bit too long in this fight. Like, he landed a couple of good shots, don't get me wrong, and he did a good job of countering Harilla at times and he went forward, but when Harilla started landing on him, there was a point there where I think, Decky, go for take, don't go for take, you know, a little bit of an Irish uh, bias, a little bit of a, a, you know, an Irish hat on. I'm like, get this fight to the ground, get your jujitsu working, you could submit him here in a second, but look, he went out and he shielded and he he, uh, he stood on, on the, you know, he he uh he stood on the canvas with uh, with Harilla and as Harilla came forward and no one else is going to do it the way Decky did I don't think, um and Harilla in, ended up getting the finish a brutal finish, and that's what Harilla is he's an unbelievable fighter the way he goes forward and just non stop, it was it was a crazy fight we all knew it would be a crazy fight Ian, and it was wasn't it. Yeah, it was absolutely crazy. You know, I felt bad for Decky. I don't think he had he one of his best nights inside there. You know, he got hurt and staggered a little bit early on and, and kind of didn't recover. And I kind of agree with you. Maybe should have tried to mix it up a little bit more, but it's hard when you have someone like Tobias Aurelia coming at you. And this guy is a, a serious fighter. Just the, the energy he has with his walkout and the clown mask. And then just the, like, he just has that killer look about him and he just wants to go in there and hurt his opponents and look at he he went in there and he fought Decky's a decent striker too man and and he went in there and just made very light work of Decky to be honest and you know uh, I'm glad Decky is doing all right now after the knockout uh, you know he'll be back again Decky will be but uh, really excited about Tobias Aurelia here he's like a, a real real good prospect and he, he needed to come back after that last defeat he had um he, that was down at featherweight, of course. But yeah, when when he lost to, to William Gomez, who is uh, also a really good fighter too. But, you know, Harilia has a bright future inside Cage Warriors. And, you know, for a guy who's coming up in weight class too, didn't look like it bothered him at all. He looked like the smaller guy in there. But he's a guy that I'm excited to see each and every time in there. Yeah, Decky is, is a big guy as well for the weight class, I think. Uh, tall, especially, you know. So it's a great win for, for Harilla. I like... I would love to see that Gomez fight again if they could put it on. I know Gomez has kind of, you know, gotten away from cage a little bit, so I don't know if that's going to be possible or not. But, you know, Harilla 
is right there. Like, will they make Harilla versus Shahye? Would they dare do that? Like, I think that'd be a an insane fight. Maybe they even it up by giving Harilla Sharia in France. <laughs> you know, maybe that would maybe that would make it fair. But uh, I don't know. That's a fight I would absolutely love to see. But uh, oh, there's that featherweight division is absolutely crazy altogether. I can't wait to see what happens there. Another featherweight fight with Ben Ellis versus Nick Bagley. A good back and forth. Uh, Bagley ended up getting the, the win here and two very, very good young up-and-comers. The same could be said uh, for Lanier Cavanaugh who had a massive knockout against uh, Ryan Morgan. Lovely stuff there. And Kingsley Crawford almost had a knockout and a submission in his fight with Aiden James. I couldn't believe he was the underdog in that. No disrespect to Aiden James. I think he's very good. Well, Kingsley Crawford went in there and he, he just took this fight away from him really and made made him pay, and it was a great performance, Kingsley Crawford. Who stood out to you in, in those three, uh, Ian? Uh, I think that Kingsley Crawford and Lonier Kavanagh, uh, Crawford, I'll, I'll start with Crawford first, I thought he was, pawn, like, that was his third win in a row in the bantamweight division, and, and you know, going in and, and defeating Aiden James the way he did was massively impressive in my eyes. And he's a major player now in the 135 pound division. You know, got cracked with an uppercut. And a, a, see, I say it broke his nose, you know, but re- immediately took the fight down, hurt hurt and James back, got the anaconda choke. And so those are the, my favorite kind of finishes where, where a guy hurts another guy on the feet, then goes and, and locks into submission. But um, Kavan in the opening fight, I mean, I was massively impressed with this guy on his, on his Cage Warriors debut. Um, Unfortunately, he missed weight, um, which is look. He said it was the first time he ever missed weight in his career. He's he's three and zero now, but he went in there and put on a show against Ryan Morgan. Uh, just his arsenal of strikes were unbelievable. Morgan, it just made Morgan so like Morgan couldn't get a read on Kavanaugh because he was just throwing different shots. Uh, different sequences. It was it was crazy. Some hook kicks, some high kicks, great boxing in and out. And, you know, the finish was unbelievable. Unbelievable hand speed, unbelievable footwork, unbelievable movement in and out. It was just a beautiful finish to kick it off. And it really set the mood for the rest of the Cage Warriors card. And I was massively impressed by Kavna. He's going to be uh, a major player in the in the flyweight division in Cage Warriors. And I'm very, like, that's what I love to see. I, I love that performance. I can't wait to see him fight again. And, you know, he, he would be, a, we mentioned Nathaniel Wood. He's a, a teammate of Nathaniel Wood from Great Britain top team and a guy that I'm I'm massively hyped for and a guy I can't wait to see again. Yeah, he was, uh, it was one of those fights I actually missed live and I saw it knock I was like, well, I better go back and uh, <laughs> and watch that. So I was on it all. Unbelievable performance. You know, Cage Warriors, again, a star-making performance by a lot of guys on that and a great card uh, from Cage Warriors. I have another card coming up in a, two, in a couple of weeks. Obviously, talk about that uh, next week and the week after. Um, we're caught for time here, but let's quickly look ahead to next week. We won't talk about this 1FC card, Ian, because I know we have a, we have a special uh, short dog preview for that coming up, so we, we leave do. that. Uh, you can check that out over the probably Windsor Thursday this week. Uh, on uh, on Sherdog on the uh, on the YouTube, but the UFC next week has a fucking fantastic card uh, to me. Up and down, there's a lot, there's a lot of fights on it. Mark Chikasi is on this card against uh, uh, Vashilav Boroshev. What was his name? Um, Slava Claus, wasn't it? This is the guy who destroyed Christian Era, uh, Christian Duncan, not Christian Era Duncan, Christian Duncan. Yeah. 
That's a fantastic fight. We've Jennifer Maya versus uh, Mano Firo. We've Matt Brown versus Barbarina. Askar Askarov versus Kai Kara of France. We've Alexa Grasso versus Joanne Wood. Kyle Dawkins, or sorry, Chris Dawkins and Blade seemingly is the main event. Alexi Olnik versus Ilir Latifi. This card is. What a card this is. I'm looking for. We'll have the preview as well, won't we? What is it, Thursday night this week, probably? We'll be back Thursday night this week to talk about this card. I mean, look, you might just look at the main event here and not be too blown away at with Curtis Blades and Dawkins, which is a pretty good fight. All but right, I mean, yeah. yeah, it's not great. Like, but I mean, you look down the card and you got a host of great fights. Askar Askarov versus Kai Kara France is. The winner of that could get the next title shot in the in the flyweight division. That's a fantastic fight. Joanne Wood against Alexa Grasso, fantastic fight as well. Um, and then I'm very looking forward to seeing Slava Claus. Fantastic finisher, an absolute animal, and and uh, quite the dancer as well. We've seen a bit of dance action Beautiful. after his last thing. So his last win, Neil Magny versus Max Griffin, is a good battle. Um, I, I mean, there's a guy, a Mongolian fighter fighting down that I have been good, very well impressed with, and that's Dana Bacharel. Um, he's has some vicious, vicious knockout power. He's won his last three by knockout in the first round, so he's definitely a guy I'd be looking out for in the undercard and to be tuning in early. But overall, a really decent card. We're going to be breaking it down um, on Thursday night over on the YouTube channel, so we, we'll get balls deep into it then. Beautiful. Quick Irish MMA update as well before we go. Uh, Keen Cowley and Lee Hammond both had wins on Friday night, so great to see, uh, especially Keen Cowley coming back to winning ways. It's been a tough few years for him, you know, he was injured and he took a good few losses, but it's great to see him coming back. And I saw I saw the finish, I think it was up in Kiefer Crosby's uh, Instagram. He actually, or, uh, sorry, Dave Fogarty's Instagram, was, he got the fight to the ground and he ended up getting the finish there. Uh, and Lee Hammond as well. You know, this guy is one of the top prospects in Ireland and a really, really good win for him here. And it's been a great time recently, you know, for a lot of those SPG fighters who maybe we would thought would have been in Bellator or, you know, we obviously not in cage wires and we're not seeing him as regularly. You know, Richie Smullen as well is a guy who has had an unbelievable run and I'm sure he'll talk about all of this on the old triangle uh, as well. But uh, it's been a really, really good time for the lads and that kind of circuit recently. And obviously we've seen Lee and Bellator, but you get what I mean. And uh, is it next week as well? Will Flory is fighting Ian. He's I know you interviewed right. him a couple of weeks ago. That's a yeah. massive fight for Will Flory. We've actually got three Irish in, in action next weekend. Uh, we have uh, Kenny Mokahana on the Friday night on the UAE Warriors card. And then both John Mitchell and Will Flory fighting on the 26th, which is next Saturday. Uh, Will Flory obviously fighting Tarek Suleiman for, for the middleweight title there. So... You know, we talk about that uh, a little bit on the Owl Triangle, which will be out this Wednesday as well, along with uh, Keen Cowley's and uh, Lee Hammond's win as well. Um, so, yeah, if you want to hear a little bit more about all those fights, uh, tune in over there next Wednesday. The, the next podcast will be out. Beautiful. I, I'll, John Mitchell, I'm a big fan of John Mitchell as well. I think he's a really, really good fighter. I know his next opponent is, is five and two as well. They don't give any easy matchups there over in uh, over New A Warriors. He fought it against Sebastian Rakowski in his last fight uh, in uh, in Babylon. And you know they've been you know the Eddie Murkowski uh, brothers are are, uh, are not the easiest matchups in the world. So I'm sure he'll be a good fighter and that'll be an interesting matchup. You know John Mitchell, he's one of these guys who. If he keeps going the way he is, he'll be winning Irish MMA prospect of the year, Irish MMA fighter of the year coming up as he goes because he's a really, really, really good fighter. You know, he beat Kenny Muckahanna a couple of times in um, 
in the uh, in the amateurs as well. You know, Kenny is a guy I've always been impressed with, and I've seen him fighting. You know, he's what is he two and zero now in his career? Had a very good amateur career as well. Beat the likes of uh, of Leon Hill and and others in in his uh, in his amateur career. So it'd be interesting to see uh, to see him as well next week. So great time for Irish MMA. And an even better time to subscribe to the Old Triangle. Head on over there, uh, check it out on your local listings, as they say, for uh, podcasts. Just, and you just before we finish up, also shout out to Dylan Tuku who won, uh, oh, won as well. Oh, I yes. hadn't heard that. Very good. Yeah, he he picked up the battlefield featherweight title tonight. Uh, got uh, got a finish in his fight there so it's great to see Dylan Took back at the time we recorded the Owl Triangle it was earlier on today we had to record it a little bit early so we didn't have the chance to to speak about that in great detail but he has picked up the win and it's great to see him back and it's great to see him back winning as well very good very good you know hopefully Dylan can get back on the straight now obviously we know about that incident last year and stuff as well and Look, I, I think he was very apologetic about that, and I hope I hope he what is you know sincere about that, and I hope he can get his life back on on uh, on the right way. And he always, you know, he always was one of these guys. That I think a lot of people had a lot of time for. Um, and you know, oh, maybe this move to Scotland has has done him good. So hopefully, he can keep on the right road. And uh, you know, there's always a good fighter there in Dylan Duke. So uh, hopefully, we, we'll see that over the next few years, and it's good to see him back uh, to winning ways. So yeah, great. Great time for Irish MMA at the moment. There's a lot of fights up and coming. There's a lot of, you know, places opening up where there's different countries and there's more opportunities coming for the fighters. So a massive time uh, for uh, for Irish MMA. And MMA in general, we have so much to talk about every week and so much stuff. And, uh, yeah, great for everyone to uh, be tuning in. We really, really appreciate it. If you want even more, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. Sign up there at the cost of... It's not even the cost of a pint a month anymore. It's like a fucking half a month now. It's the pints have gone up there. It's so fucking mad. So, uh, you know, great value. Great value altogether. Uh, check it out there. You can follow Ian O'Neill at MMA over on Twitter and on Instagram as well. Follow... Uh, severemma.com on Instagram as well there's some great stuff going up there from Ian and Andy and Quilshan myself and everyone the whole team uh, Jakey as well doing a great job over there so we're really pushing that recently and there's some good stuff going up there so if you aren't following the severemma Instagram it's severemma.com don't follow at severemma that's just fucking Graham don't mind him he wouldn't give up his handle because he's actually we, we tried to get the handle off him and it wouldn't work so severemma.com isn't that it isn't that it D-O-T-C-O-M yeah that's it that's so, it uh, Graham, yeah. we're, we're, all, we're out here grinding Graham is off and joining him on holidays yeah. where did he oh. say he was gone oh fuck it I can't remember he said he was gone but somewhere nice anyway so I'm actually planning a holiday now coming up here in June so oh I don't know I, I might be gone I might be missing the podcast for the first time in seven years I'll see but I probably won't that would be alright Um, yeah we will leave it there so thanks to everybody for listening you're all great please hit the subscribe button check out Ian as I said check out the old triangle check out severemed.com my name is Sean Sheehan and we'll see you all next time